This is the one with a sure case of arachnophobia. ESP? That's extrasensory perception, you know. A homeless man getting buzzed by a hovercar. And a magpie called Tom. It's called Planet of the Spiders. Here we go! We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalen, Oot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be? Who back when? Who back when? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode C074 of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Doc Pass. That's right! <laughs> that wonderful voice belongs to none other than Jim. Hello, Jim. Hello, Leon. Hello, <laughs> Hello podcast Leon. man. <laughs> Hello. How are we all feeling today? Very well, I hope. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah, this is... Oh, you know what? This is going to be the second episode that we drop in 2019, isn't it? Happy <laughs> New Year to all those people that only listen to the classics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Buster, this is the first one that we're recording in 2019. I couldn't be more excited about an episode to start the new year with. What, for, for the four seconds of Tom Baker's face, or...? largely for the four seconds of Tom Baker's face. I mean, I may have been even more excited if this were the first episode of Tom Baker's run, if this were Robo's. But this episode is incredibly legendary. Everyone's seen the spider backpack screenshot. Everyone knows about this episode. Except me. But well, I, mean, I, I didn't I, know what it was about either. I, I, knew, <laughs> I knew it was big. You, yeah. you bigged it up. I did. <laughs> Guilty as we'll, charged. We'll find out the other side of the B-Scale, whether it lived up to it. Oh, that's true. Oh, excellent segue. Let's be scow. Time for us to synopsize, lebify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bicycle chunk of who. Bicycle chunk of who? The Brigadier and the Doctor are taking in the harmless burlesque show. All with the guys to study ESP. When former companion Joe Grant sends the Blue Crystal from Metabelius Three to Unit Headquarters. Setting off a chain of absurd events that could jeopardise all of humanity. Meanwhile in Berkshire, a series of coincidences sees the former Captain Yates, the Doctor's old Time Lord teacher, and an invading force of sentient psychokinetic outer space spiders convene at a Tibetan monastery. Miskal over, you are welcome. Oh my goodness. This was not at all the episode that I thought it was going to be. Uh, at all. It's not what I thought it was going to be after. You just talked about Sarah Jane backpack. Yeah. <laughs> or spider backpack. Bad Sarah Jane, potentially. That's which, exactly what I thought. Which does happen. It but does, but only for a, like a microsecond in the, in the last episode. two minutes tops. I yeah. Know. Yeah. I thought this was going to be more of a, an invasion of the body snatchers type serial, whereby the spiders, you know, people walk around with spider backpacks, just like, what's her face, that dreadful New Who companion. What was her name again? Oh, I think I've forgotten entirely. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought this was going to be. I'm very pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. Yeah, I suppose. I think I'm still I'm still absorbing this episode. We said offline actually. We we both kind of have notes that are more perfunctory of just just <laughs> this happened and then this happened. <laughs> Normally, I have a load of kind of like pluses and minuses, and and this was funny and this was stupid. Or was... also lists of vehicle types. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll get there. Later. We will. We will get there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I, I kind of feel like 
I need to talk to someone about this episode to understand my own opinion of it a little bit. So. Well, you have come so, to the right place. Exactly. <laughs> I, I am looking forward to hearing your views. Have you already seen the New Year's Day special? No. Ah, okay. So when you've seen it and, we've reco- and when we sit down to record that episode, which, ladies and gents, you can now already go and listen to, <laughs> <laughs> you'll see what I mean. There's a, there is some common ground. And I, Ooh. I mean, I, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm not going to say anything. We can pick this up when we talk about that one. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so where in this episode would you like to start? Is it bad to start just to get the 70s aspect of it out of the way and just say white men playing Tibetan people oh, bad? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's just acknowledge this is a terrible thing. They did it a lot. I, I, have, I think I'm building a reputation from going on rants about pc stuff and that's I'm, fine I can, i'm gonna try and tone that down a bit but no, no. but this this is atrocious uh, just you wait <laughs> until we get to the talons of weng chiang oh with god, Tom Be- Tom <laughs> oh, god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i agree with you it's absolutely dreadful two white dudes playing two Dib- tibetans yeah the same Although kind of the same they are kind of the same. They're the same dude. Yeah. Uh, just two different whatever. Sonification. Yeah. I have nothing to add. You're absolutely right, and it shouldn't happen. I struggled quite a bit with this whole intro setup with Yates. Oh, it makes no sense like, either. I don't understand, based on what happened last time we saw Yates, yeah. why anyone trusts him. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's... he's got sarah jane involved because he can't go to unit because he knows unit will tell him to fuck off and possibly shoot him yeah <laughs> um, well they won't shoot him because i, I mean well, he's not incarcerated not. no so he's probably considered fine and is now just dealing with his own trauma i'm not quite sure why he's considered fine like the doctor probably signed him off yeah <laughs> his one doctor he dropped <laughs> but you know that aside the whole kind of setup of him investigating like Oh, we never I, get to see I why he's yeah, suspicious I of them in the first totally place. Totally didn't get why he had stumbled across this, how he no. stumbled across this. It's something, I think he wanted to do some meditation. He genuinely was trying to better himself. Oh, yeah, he's the, and, that's like his rehab. Yeah, and then some <laughs> happens to have stumbled across the one set of people into meditation that are also into power grab and summoning things from different dimensions and dimensions uh, and also and- how do they ever get to the, this this is further down my list as well but let's get let's segue to this how come there are people there who have never seen aliens how come they are able to psychokinetically communicate and transmigrate spiders from a different planet to this particular Monastery. I have no idea. Like, how would they like, even know how to do it? And how is it that this is such a coincidence that the Doctor is hanging around in 1974 yeah. and has nicked this perfect crystal, the one perfect crystal? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> and then... Which is the crystal from the Green Death. Yeah. Yeah. So he's had this for a while, sent, yeah. sent it off with... Joe. Joe Grants, yeah. She's, she magically sends it back. No, I don't think they ever explain why she sends it back. I, I think it's literally something like, hey, I'm sending this back to you because I don't need it anymore. Like, but what, what do you mean? Yeah, we, we found another paperweight. Thanks. <laughs> you can have your one back. <laughs> yeah. So there's just so much coincidence set, set up for this. And... But then, and also the teacher, the guy running the monastery, yeah. is the doctor's... Old teacher from Gallifrey. 
<laughs> that no, we, we we'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah we have to come back. There to are that. just so many. You're right. There are wait, so wait, many but, coincidences. But we're not done yet. Because, okay, go for it. Because the thing is, we're in 1974 on Earth. Yeah, we're. Well, at least I think it is four hundred years in the future on Metabolus three. That's right, and it's I don't know what, how <laughs> how has this link been set up? Like the Doctor went to this exact planet at this exact time frame to the point where he I think he said he hardwired the TARDIS to go there, so it would be nice and easy for him to go there again. He hardwired the location, not the time. Okay, I think because otherwise, why would he hardwire that particular time? But it's it is obviously the time. It is. Because, oh, yeah, no. That's, because the crystal's missing. Uh, that's another coinkadink. Yeah, but he gets the... The last time in The Green Death, the last time he went to Metabilis 3 was in the relative past for the arachnids, for the uh, eight legs and the two legs. Oh, so when he went there, there were no people and no spiders there. Yeah, he got attacked by some weird thing. Like some eagle creature. And also the planet was all blue, as I recall. Yeah. There was like this one scene where he's just, there's something shrieking behind him. Everything is blue and he steals this. It, it wasn't a fun holiday location. No, it was dreadful. Def- definitely not. <laughs> he literally only went there to get this crystal because it had mind-altering properties or something. Yeah. Or mind-shielding properties. The supercomputer in Green Death, right, is trying to telepathically ask a different review. But he uses the crystal to also make himself immune to telepathic whatevers. Right. He sends it off with Joe Grant. She sends it back. In the meantime, not in the meantime, thereafter, 400 years pass, cut to Metabilis 3. Humans now live there. They've been conquered by spiders, and coincidentally, the coincidence is not in this episode. The coincidence is in the Green Death, that the one crystal that the Doctor stole happened to be the most perfect crystal. I'm just saying what you're saying, aren't I? <laughs> I think the thing that gets me is that... That they can travel they, through time? I don't know. It's, there, there is a link that's been created between these two planets. Yeah. Earth and Metapolis 3, across different time periods. So I get what you're saying. The Doctor didn't go and nick it from that time. Yeah. He nicked it earlier. Yeah, 400 years earlier or something. Um, or even tens of millions of years earlier. Yeah. We don't know. Before then, anyway. Assuming, yeah, maybe they were they were formed with the planet or something. Yeah. You know, the, like there, prehistoric there were, times. There maybe, it was no like other a, ones. maybe it was like a Metabilis 3 pterodactyl that was chasing him yeah. in the Green Death. Yeah. So we've got these random meditating guys. <laughs> I want to come up with a better collective name for them. But, um, white office dudes. White office dudes. <laughs> the wads. <laughs> so the, the wads are trying to get some, as, as I recall, not very well-defined notion of power. Like they're Yeah, but... What, whatever racist white Tibetan guy is saying to the doctor to explain like the power of the mind and all this. And he's like, if you... Oh no, Yates is he's explaining too. Yeah. He says, I think Yates asked, you know, could could you use this for evil purposes sort of thing? And he's like, oh, yeah, totally you could. <laughs> yeah. But you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. No one here would because no, they're all good guys. No, the, the guys in the basement aren't doing anything like that. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, but it's all about, I'm sure it's all about kind of like using your own body, looking into your own mind and becoming, I don't know, it was... It was a very kind of uh, hippie 70s talk, is what the Tibetan guy was saying. Yeah. So how does that go to creating a, a, time... a dimension? <laughs> yeah. A link through space and time. Yeah. So, okay. I don't know. <laughs> we start with a doctor and the brig and the brigadier, Bagels, chatting to this stage magician who it turns out actually has ESP. Yeah. The stage magician holds the blue crystal. Sorry, what's ESP? Uh, that's extrasensory perception, you know. Oh, oh, great, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, loved, <laughs> that's such a I just loved how 
That was just shoved down the, the audience's <laughs> Yeah, <throat>. I know. <laughs> They're studying ESP. They're chatting with this stage magician who has ESP. He touches the crystal, and that sends a signal to the spiders on Metabilis 3 that, oh, guys, the crystal is here on Earth in 1970-whatever, 1970 1974. But that's not at the monastery. No. That's at Unit HQ. That's not even in Berkshire. That's probably, like, outside London or something. So, well, Berkshire is outside yes, London. Say, but, it's really not that far. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not, it's not there anyway. Like, it, it's a different part of Earth, right? Why would they then go, oh, who else is meditating at this exact point in time on Earth. Oh, it's these five wads in the basement of a monastery. We'll go there. Wait, that makes sense. Yeah, Fuck okay. it. That makes no, perfect I, sense. You've, you've, you've solved it. Okay. Done. Unintentionally. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So they, <laughs> they hopped on the closest bus. Yeah. AKA telekinetic Ooh, connection bus, stream. Bus. Yeah. In the beginning, before we get to that point, when Yates is stalking around the, the monastery, because yeah. he is already suspicious of something for whatever reason he is, when he goes in and the, oh, very subtle, you know, cobweb interrupters of he drops something because he sticks his face in cobweb, Yeah, they are already materializing spiders in the basement. Are they not? Um, I feel like we see the first one. They Exactly. And yeah. this is before the magician dude has held the crystal. Is it? I think so. Ooh. So I don't think that that makes sense. Darn it. Yeah. What else can we pick apart? Also, <laughs> can I say, I love this cereal. I don't, I don't care. I, do, I don't care. I <laughs> I pretty much, I don't know if I want to say love. Yeah. No, I I, I, I mean, it's I too long, it. but I liked it, definitely. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that keeps running around the back of my mind yeah. is I feel like we could have basically not had humans on Metabilis 3. I don't know. Oh, that's a good point. How much that really added to this serial? It didn't. I think it. I think yeah. it detracted. And my one main negative note, like I think, I think acting in Doctor Who generally isn't that bad, even in classic stuff. Like production values are all over the shop a lot of the time, but yeah. the acting actually isn't too bad. It's sometimes hammy, but generally, I think they can they can nail it. Yeah. The I I dubbed her the mother of the tribe. Oh yeah, yeah. The wife is, of the dude who gets taken away. Yeah. Yeah. Is one of the worst uh, actors sh- <laughs> I have ever seen on television. <laughs> okay, soundbite from part three, 21 minutes and 50 seconds in. No, I shot you shan't take him. I mean, it's so obvious. Like, why, why did they not... Is that the best take they got? Yeah. Or? Oh, no, no. Check the gate. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, there's... I think she has one major scene later on when the two sons are going off and she's already lost her husband and he's like, no... But I can't lose you, or you're my only son. <laughs> I only reacted to her line flub. The rest of it, I thought, was fine. The this might be because I've I <laughs> up until this morning I was rewatching the uh, Sci-Fi Channel miniseries adaptation of Dune, which is very made for TV <laughs> in terms of acting. And maybe I've developed an immunity at this point. But I, I thought they were fine. She had that one line, and I don't know if that's her fault. I feel like that's the director's fault. Well, going, yeah. All right, Cart, let's do that again. Yeah, But you're right. Like We don't need humans there, going back to that point. We don't need her. We don't need her husband. The only things that they do, the, the only thing that they set up is that the, I guess, the history of the spiders, which could have been different. They could have just been spiders from space. Yeah. They didn't need to be spiders that had been brought from Earth. But I think that's a cool idea. I don't even I don't even know how that made sense. 
So how, do, how did they explain that away? So humans, 200 years before the Metabolus 3 timeline, the, the point that we get to see of it, 200 years prior, colonists from Earth traveled to Metabolus 3. They had some sort of technical malfunction. So when they got there, they couldn't leave. They were stuck. And aboard the ship, somehow by accident, there were a bunch of spiders. And those spiders were then affected by the blue crystals to develop sentience and then took over right. the planet, basically. The planet being this one, like, hippie Mongolian-themed kibbutz. <laughs> <laughs> and not the entire orb. And, one and a big crystal cave. Yeah. Oh, and, and why there's oh, one who's enormous, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and some set that is generally used for a control room with some sheets over it. Oh, loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like the spider effect. I actually, I they really like, I like the spiders a lot. I was generally surprised at how good they looked because I think it's with, you know, spindly legs. Yeah. The kind of technology they had on the budgets that they had, like I was expecting rubbery thing that looked like someone's just kind of like flailing around the body and the legs were just moving independently. But, you know, they had them kind of like walking and... When they walk, that looks really, um, really good. And I think the first one that comes through that's talking to Lupton, perhaps, is, is like rearing up a little bit to kind of like converse with him. And yeah. I don't know, it, there was, you got a kind of personality oh, from it. Like, I, I think it was genuinely pretty impressive. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I, I have to say, I didn't quite enjoy looking at them in a little blue room. In the little Senate. With the, with, yeah, with their own little cushions. <laughs> it kind of looked like a arachnophobe's dodgy nightmare interpretation of, of a puppy daycare thing where you, you know you go in and, and it's like de-stressing you. Go stroke a puppy. It's like, oh no, they're all spiders. <laughs> it's like... I don't know. Was, or if, like, if you own a spider and you go on holiday, then you can leave your spider at the yeah. spider daycare. <laughs> Some of the spiders were moving in that, like, Senate's building in that room. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember what the podium setup was, but I do feel like the ones that were moving, they were just attached to something sitting underneath them. Like, there was, through the floor, there was a stick holding onto the spider, and that was moving the spider up and down. Yeah. And so I wonder if that podium was just constructed in order to obscure the five or six BBC crew members who were like st holding sticks underneath. It, it probably is, yeah. That's great. I love that. <laughs> but you could do that with I don't know, like a little grassy bank or something. Like, yeah. I, I found it odd that they've gained the ability to have kind of mind control and things. They're, they're yeah. sentient. They have an intelligence. They're still spiders physically. They didn't build that i was just thinking that yeah but they must have taken over two legs and then had the two legs build it for them i guess so yeah. question for you why did they have the two legs make everything spider themed like why was there a cobweb painted on the floor <laughs> <laughs> but why like they are still spiders like yeah. it's not because humans became intelligent that they decided to wear clothes it's because through evolution over millennia that we kind of didn't have the the need to go out and hunt all the time and all this kind of stuff. You know, it, it, it did slowly kind of shift that way because of the intelligence. But, sure. but this is a very condensed change for these spiders. They're, they're still physically just spiders. That's true. Why do they need a house? <laughs> I don't, it was just it was just very weird. Like a base of operations. Maybe there are really rough storms and stuff on Metabolus 3. <laughs> Maybe. Like genuinely, what what was the first thought that went through your head when you saw that room full of spiders? A deep and all-encompassing sense of awe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, I think mine was just stifling laughter. <laughs>
for the show and not for the spiders. It's going back to Hartnell times. There were so many episodes where it's just like, oh, you're in a garage or on a set and you've just turned off the lights and everything is just black on this planet, I guess, except for a few cardboard boxes. (laughs) But here you've got a budget. You still don't really know what to do with it. And you still don't really like you haven't put any thought behind it the way that maybe in Cyberman episodes, Kit Peddler would put thought behind what the set would look like. Oh, like, oh, so there's a pipe here because there's a, you know, they go in there because here it's just humans are watching this. So make it suitable to the audience, not to the spiders. I loved it. It it was a high budget cardboard box. (laughs) The weird buildings that they're in, that look great, by the way, those black pyramid-esque buildings. Do you reckon those are actually the spaceships that people came in on? Because here's another point for you. In that room with the, the blue room, there are doors that are human height. It's not just like a room for spiders. People walk in and out of there or can walk in and out of there. Yeah, which, uh, which we do see, actually. Yeah, they, they, Lockton well, goes in there. They bring... And the doctor. Yeah, the prisoners and people walk in, yeah. but... And I mean, presumably, because they have guards, so presumably there's the odd occasion that they might bring a guard in to talk to them and give them instructions. I guess, maybe. I don't know. But I, I was never quite clear, actually. Do the guards have a spider on the back? Yes. Because I, I assumed they did, because they do the lightning. Yeah, exactly. They do the lightning, and uh, at some point, the two legs, the Metabilis humans, possibly even your favourite one, the mother, says they either eat us or they uh, use their mind powers to enslave us to do their bidding. Uh, yeah. So that'll be them. Question for you. The, the reason that you have to ask whether there are spiders on those people is because you can't see the spiders. So here's the question. Are those spiders, when they get on your back, are they A, invisible, B, are they, because they can teleport, have they teleported into your body and, like, grafted themselves onto your nervous system? Or C, are they just concealed by a perception filter or something? And if C, why? Like, why bother? Um, I def- definitely get the why bother <laughs> <laughs> on your own planet. Yeah. And why would they have the ability to do it elsewhere? Yeah. There are two pieces of information that I think are pertinent. Okay. So one is when... Lupton first gets a spider on his back. Yeah, and he like looks back they, at his back or something. I, f- I forget how, how much time passes, but I think he's done something. He genuinely probably is tired, and I think his spider tells him to go rest. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he falls face first onto the bed. Like He doesn't, he doesn't lie down to have a sleep. He just kind of gets onto the bed face first. And I thought that was probably an intentional thing, because oh, he's see. got a spider on his back. Yeah. And you don't want to crush the spider. Good call. I can think of a second one, actually, now that you mention it. The Time Lord Tibetan, yeah, who says like, "Look at this! L- look at your companions through my eyes." Yeah, that was that was going to yeah. be the second one. So I th- I think it is it's some kind of invisibility, I guess. Well, I guess it could be a perception thing, but it, I feel like there is enough to point that their their intention was that the spider is always there physically. Okay, it's just you can't see it. Yeah, but which just don't hide them on your guards. Yeah, and also like it's it's a it's a nice effect. Yeah. Spider on your back. Yeah, it's a great effect. Is it the best place for them to go? Like, they could sit on your head <laughs> quite, quite happily, like a hat. <laughs> Take two of the legs and, like, tie them under your yeah. chin. Because <laughs> like, it's all done, it's, it's all about mind control, it's tele- telepathy and stuff. So, yeah, that's true. They don't need to, fiz- like, it makes sense for them to hang around with the human they're controlling. But they, yeah. I mean, they could walk behind them, presumably. Or maybe, I, I assume there's not a physical aspect. Invasion of the Body Snatchers is from around about this time, right? 
Well, there's, I think there's probably a, an even earlier version, a black and white one. Yeah. But there's a 1970s version with... I, oh, wait, no. There's a 90s version with Donald Sutherland, but I want to say there's a 1970s version as well. And those are aliens on people's backs. And they, like, they hook into their necks or whatever. You're right. And I wonder if maybe this is influenced by that because people have just seen it in the cinemas and they go like, oh, yeah, well, it's possible. I guess that's what aliens do. I mean, I, I don't have an issue with it. Like, I, I genuinely think it looks quite amazing. Yeah, me too. Like, we already said we like the spiders the way they look. And yeah. they actually they sit quite well on people's backs. They're like, quite fetching. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> I, I could have that as a backpack, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think better than... Um, the beetle? The beetle thing that Donna gets. Yeah. That's a bit too chunky. Yeah. It is, yeah. It's, I, 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 and it I looks, don't know if I could pull that weirdly, off. Weirdly, it looks more fake. These look more authentic. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, question. Well, how do you feel about the following? You mentioned that, for example, as a result of intelligence or with alongside intelligence, we didn't develop clothes. We didn't do these things. But as a, as a consequence of uh, intelligence came cultural developments. And as a consequence of those came clothes, for example. We have one character, the character of Tom, who gets an extra strength dose of blue crystal energy or something. Yep. That very quickly enhances him intellectually and possibly psychokinetically or something. Why, as a consequence thereof, I, I love that we have that little montage of, oh, he can't read. Oh, he can read. And he goes to the library and he learns lots of stuff. It's like John Travolta in Phenomenon. Yeah. But then I don't understand why later on he's impervious to lightning and he knows Kung Fu. I just, <laughs> he's intelligent. Like, now he can break people's arms. I also kind of like it. Like, oh, really? I, I, I hate it, but I kind of like it. The, the, the whole simple guy gets turned into smart guy. Yeah. That's but, great. That is great. But it is weird that he's, he basically gets turned into Superman. Yeah. Um, and why does he just stand there while the other guys are, you know, they're, they're chanting? Why doesn't he rush them? Why don't they yeah. rush him? There are four of them. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it, it is weird. And I, there are a couple of things with this episode which I found odd that the way, it, the way it's portrayed is like, did the writer genuinely think people would see this as a twist? Like, there's so much foreshadowing. It's like, almost as soon as you see Simple Tom. Yeah. Like, not quite as soon, because that'd be a bit ridiculous. You'd have to be second guessing everything. But okay. almost as soon as you've seen Simple Tom, Tom I think you're like, well, something's going to happen to his intelligence. You know what? I didn't see that coming. No? However, I did see him taking the crystal. Right. Because you have two yeah. or three times where you get to see him just take something shiny. Yeah. So that seemed like, all right, well, we're going to have him steal the crystal or, oh, we can't find the crystal. Oh, Tom's had it all along. That sort of thing. Yeah. But I didn't see it coming. I didn't think that that was going to happen. So it worked on me, i got to say. I guess maybe I'm being a bit cynical with it. So I, I think... It's, it's pretty early on you meet him, actually. So, like, like I said, it's not straight away. But I think once you realise he has nothing else. Yeah. Th they don't develop his character. He's not involved in anything. But he keeps getting a lot of screen time. So he is, he's a Chekhov simple man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's going to go off at some point. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, could, I just couldn't escape from that. Like, I, even though they've got six episodes um, in, these, in this serial in particular and a yeah. lot of the serials in general... They generally don't, like, we, we come across it now and again, but they generally don't put stuff in that's... That they don't need. Yeah, they don't need it. Well, I mean, you say that, but you did also feel that we didn't need the humans or Metabuse well, 3 at all. that's a separate thing. <laughs> that's, that's just someone writing 
extra fluff. Like that's not a character who they're they're making quite prominent. Okay, yeah, person, no, that's true. You know, that's true. I don't know. That's I feel true. like there there are certain things that you kind of go. The second you give yeah. someone lines, that character is probably well. well the second I you give know. some, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself out of it. But I, anyway, I got I got a a weird feeling about <laughs> Sim, simple Tom. <laughs> I kind of liked him. I uh, liked him too. I didn't get why. <laughs> Why everyone was so happy to just hand over their jewels yeah. to him. Here's <laughs> <laughs> our family heirloom. Oh, it's, you think it's pretty? Okay, yeah, here you go, Tom. Oh. Yeah. Well, w- <laughs> Sarah Jane has never met him before. She has no, no idea what he's like as a person. Uh, and just immediately goes, oh, all right, no, just don't tell anyone. You like my brooch? Have it. Yeah. That probably cost her some money, if nothing else. Like, what the fuck? That you're handing over a piece of silver? Yeah, I. Sorry, go ahead. It's just the way he's portrayed as a simple person, and the way people behave because they believe him to be a simple person. Yeah. is quite cringy. It's it's. Do you think uh, that there was a, an ulterior motive from Sarah Jane's point of view? Because later on, she is very happy. Like, she does not blink before she goes. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll come with you to your little nest under the stairs. <laughs> what you think she was setting him up to yeah it's like that story from uh the decameron you know uh the the nuns who take advantage of the simple gardener i'm not familiar with this but i i get the context you're, you're referring to <laughs> a, i think by the way there's a there's a film adaptation of this, this short story is like five pages long and there's a film adaptation with one of the francos from like a year or two ago i refuse to watch it because it looks like Oh, so garbage. But in the story, there's a dude who pretends to have a learning disability because all the nuns, when they see a muscular dude with a learning disability, they just go, he can bone us and no one will ever believe him. And Sarah Jane just rushes out of a very important meeting to hang out with him because he says he has something pretty to show her. Wow. Mm. I, don't, I don't think I picked up on that at all. Oh, sorry. Me. <laughs> I think you're right, though, with Sarah Jane in this, that it's a bit all over the shop. She's an idiot while on Earth, and then she's incredibly capable when on Metabolus 3, in my opinion. Yeah. As in, she's written differently in those two locations. Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of buy that. Yeah. But it's weird, because she does get an important role at the end. I just did a quick image search, actually, for Planet of the Spiders. Yeah. And they're all that spoiler from and the end with the spider backpack. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, there are so many that come up with that. That's on the DVD cover, by the way. Really? Yeah. Massive spoiler. It is a big spoiler. Yeah. But it's also... It's the iconic shot of it, though. It's such a weird thing to focus on when it's really not that big a part of the serial. No. Like, the idea that there are spiders on backs, definitely. Yeah. But the fact that Sarah Jane gets a spider on her back isn't. Okay, so now imagine that you need to create a poster for this episode well, and you right. need Sarah Jane represented on it. What would it be? What would you see her doing? Uh, you could have her wrapped up in the cocoon. So in which case in she's Harold. incapacitated and needs someone else to come and rescue her or? Um, you could have, I don't know. Exactly. Her, her stood in a corridor. <laughs> stood in a corridor or you have this visually stunning image of her which gives the indication or at least hints at her having a larger role than she actually does. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame. But um, as in that she doesn't have a larger role. It is. I think especially as it's put to his send off. Yeah. And at the end. But she gets a great bit of action with him on Metabolus 3 though. She saves his life. Uh, remind me of the circumstance of that. Go and fetch my satchel, the the leather satchel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, she roundabout saves his life. Oh, yeah, okay, that's true. Because the humans have to end up okay. picking it up. Okay, well, she saves his life sort of there, 
But then before then, she saves his life because they're about to just leave him. And she goes, no, he's alive. We need to still tend to him. Yeah, true. Now, there's that ridiculous... Hang on, what did I write? I've only paraphrased this interlocution. But it's something like, he's dead. There are only two possibilities after all. He's either dead or stunned. Let's go with dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he's alive. You're right. He's alive. <laughs> <laughs> And if she hadn't said that, then they would have just left him out in the courtyard to rot, or he would have been taken by spiders to be eaten. And yeah. consequently, yeah, he survives. So, plus she actually, I mean, she does stuff. If nothing else, she she gets a few more lines. She talks to the, the two legs and expresses her contempt of this situation that they find themselves in. Yeah, no, no, definitely. She has more more agency. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I'm totally with you with the, that scene that... <laughs> There's literally two of them. Yeah. They could pick up the doctor just and walk those five steps to that hut that they were going to go to anyway. Uh, yeah. Or, and, and he's just like, no, no, leave, leave, leave him all behind. Leave him all behind. He'll erode sooner or later. <laughs> we'll bury him in the morning. We don't bury people. <laughs> he literally says we'll bury him tomorrow. Oh, and, does he say yeah. that? Yeah. Oh. And it's just like, <laughs> dude, like. Whenever we're, we're in doubt, then someone may or may not be alive. <laughs> If we wait until the morning, there is no more need for doubt because they're always dead. So. Exactly. <laughs> there have only, I mean, only 200 years have passed since people landed there. People who are at least 200 years more advanced than you and I. Yeah. But over the course of 200 years, they have regressed to the point of just abandoning intellect altogether. Yeah. How did that happen? I don't know. I mean, they obviously got overpowered by the spiders. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't even know why. Why do the spiders leave these random tribes of humans? Why don't they just control them all? But Yeah, that's a good point as well. But, you know, that aside, like, I guess, you know, once you're stripped of resources and, and everything, you, you, you're you living that life of peasantry? I don't know. Yeah. Um, You skip a few generations and, you know, you, you see... You see but the thing is, you don't skip a few generations. And they have had people... Well, they pass down stories yeah but exactly but why don't for example why don't they pass down the, the the skill of for example reading and writing uh why why don't they have engines why don't they know how to build stuff or make like actual clothes or i, don't know. I, I think i can kind of buy it the, really well if if you, if you accept that the spiders like took everything away then you're left with a bunch of people that don't have anything to to work with they they may know how to do stuff but they can't do it because they don't have the tools and the resources okay they're they're just trying to live and then they start having kids and they're just trying to feed their kids and the kids are just trying to live and then you know the the immediate concern becomes just surviving and then suddenly you do go a few generations down and it's just a poverty-stricken society that hmm. i don't know I, I can kind of get it but i i, I, I do still understand what you're saying and i still i do kind of agree that that just makes me feel like there would be, uh, human civilization is incredibly precarious i think it probably is though especially when you think how how advanced we are to the point where we don't understand simple things really like yeah that's if, true if you were thrown out into the wilderness like like you being a, a general yeah if you have person, a driving license doesn't mean that you can build a car for example yeah exactly yeah, so like yeah. how many people would really survive on their own in the middle of nowhere for a few months, you know, let alone the rest of their life, you know. That's true, but I... Oh, yeah, but I, I still feel like they wouldn't just immediately regress to, like, a, a feudal societal state. Yeah. 
they would they would regress to a we know what we no longer have primitive state like we yeah. know what we've lost kind of state yeah that's that's the thing i take issue with is it's the societal breakdown yeah it's not not losing the knowledge or whatever yeah. i think i think it's more that yeah they appear a bit more maybe barbaric isn't the right word but i take more issue with the fact that the, the writing didn't consider that the progress of society means that there's a more equal footing they they are in a men do things women stay at home yeah makeup like i have more issue with that which is someone writing in the 70s and not thinking how future people would behave unless along with all of their other futuristic slash modern skills they also lost that level of uh moral political development you know they, they well, regressed politically i don't know we don't have an example of of that ever happening so it's, it's hard to know if that would like, i i can totally understand if you don't have resources then you lose the ability to do things. Yeah. Add like, intelligence, uh, gain kung fu. Remove intelligence, <laughs> <laughs> gain sexism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Anywhere in particular you want to go from here? How about the most amazing chase ever? We, we should talk about we that. We must. Please. <laughs> How about it? Well, I might just get a little negative out of the way. Okay. Because obviously it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to clarify if your interpretation of this is the same as mine. Okay. So there's a point where Lupton manages to steal the helicopter. Yeah. Which I don't know if... Does that have its own name or anything? Or You mean the type of helicopter? No, I, I, I wasn't sure if it was like the Doc's special helicopter. Oh, I see what you're saying. I don't think so. It is, however, Little Nelly from uh, You Only Live Twice. What? Have you seen You Only Live Twice? James Bond. I I can actually. This is Roger Moore. No, I can I can picture uh, I can picture a Bond character sat in that actually. It, it's Connery. I was about to say Stallone. It's uh, <laughs> Stallone as Bond. Wow, <laughs> that'd be amazing. <laughs> My mind is exploding right now. <laughs> My penny. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, he flies around in in one of those. Q brings it to him, and he flies around. And I want to say this to you on it twice. I'm not sure anymore now. Right. Okay. Yeah, anyway. Anyway, uh, yeah. I had to look up the name of it, and it's called Little Nelly. The Bond one is called Little Nelly. Okay, so it's... But the Doctor has used it before. No, not as I, far as I'm aware. Or some, someone has. I'm sure there was a scene in... I think it might have been in Green Death, actually. Oh, maybe I'm mistaken. Though. Someone drops bombs from a helicopter. Ooh! Or, or a gas thing, or, you know, something. You know what? You're right. And I feel like it was... It was when... It, the same scene with, the, like, the giant slugs and the giant yeah. fly and everything... Uh, is that one of these? I didn't remember. I don't know. I, I can't remember. It's not like a, a normal helicopter where you're all encased and yeah. you would have to open a door sure. and, and hang out of it. Sort of thing. <laughs> like it's just, it's a very open, um, open top thing. And yeah, you, you can just shove your arm out. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's not, but it, I, I felt like a, a very similar thing had been used before anyway. Okay. But what I was getting onto was Lupton nicks it after the most ridiculous scene of them just all kind of like going oh where's he gone to should we should we go and chase him oh he's gone and nicked the helicopter you're gonna make the exact same point i've written down here i think go for it he he goes off yeah doc gets to fly his car yeah which we can come back to and talk about again we must (laughs) (laughs) and then there's a little chase scene and the doctor very quickly says oh he's gonna have to land because he's not got any fuel yeah and then they land do they land at the exact same airport the exact same landing strip rather because we're, they're not up there for very long. I think, I think they do. I think so, the, 
So, oh, wait. No, sorry. When they land, after... The, I, I really got the impression that... They drive they, to an airport. They, they are, they're all on this landing strip. Yeah. And what's his chops? Lupton has legged it out of the helicopter. No, legged it out of his car. Yeah. Or... No, I forgot. Wait, that. so hang on. Hang on. Maybe I've <laughs> confused myself. He drives to the airport. Yeah. In the Hoomobile. Gets out of the Hoomobile. They drive after him in Bessie. Yeah. And a police car drives after as well. Yes. <laughs> the doctor takes the helicopter to the airport. Yeah. Lands. Gets out of there. Yeah. Goes, where's the guy? The guy gets out of the... Has already gotten out of the Hoomobile. Now steals the helicopter and flies away. Yeah. And I think they just land on a beach somewhere. They land somewhere where there's a conveniently parked hover car and... Or hovercraft and... Uh, what's it called? A speedboat. Wait. He wanders off to get those, but I like it might just be obviously what they had to do from a shooting point of view. But it really felt like they went up. The doctor goes, "Don't worry, I'll get him." Oh, they goes at the same place they took it off from. Yeah, Is that what you're saying? he goes and oh, flies. Shit, I don't know. Goes and flies off in the car, <laughs> just because it can. But we wanted to, I guess. and they have a green screen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have a little dogfighter moment, but not yeah. not really. Oh. I, I I actually like that Sarah Jane asked the question everyone's thinking. Okay, so we found him. Now what do we do? <laughs> it's like, he's flying a helicopter, we're flying a car. What next? <laughs> and the doc says, like, he's, he's going to run out of fuel anyway, he's going to have to land. We're just following. Yeah. yeah. And it really felt like they just, they did a little loop in the air and came right back down to the, the but same But when airport. they do, there's no more unit and no more police car. I guess maybe that's not. But, okay, so where the fuck are they? <laughs> there are these random landing strips all over the place. <laughs> I don't know. They do land back on a On a, a landing strip. strip. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't make a note of it. But I, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? They probably filmed it in the same place because wow. it would be ha- like just arduous to film in two different locations. Yeah. And they only have a week to do it in, basically. Yeah, that's probably the case. But I don't think it's meant to be in the same place. Okay. I struggle to, to think, like, okay... <laughs> I know you wanted. I love that though as a scenario. I know you wanted to fly your car, but if you knew he was going to be low on fuel, you could have just literally waited to either watch him crash or come and land back where he started. <laughs> but I, I kind of accept that it was probably just a quirk of filming, it, and I read too much into I think it. It's quite interesting but... that he doesn't use any kind of science to get him down either. He isn't clever about it. He's just yeah. I'm going to follow him. I mean, the science could be anything from a weapon, as in I'm going to target his craft so he has to land, or something akin to the Sonic, whereby he forces him technologically to yeah. Well, yeah, know, I mean, lose could altitude. Literally, or Sonic some screws off it. And... Yeah, yeah, you could absolutely. But I guess do that's that. crashing and killing someone. Probably. Yeah, maybe that's too violent. Yeah, but yeah, regardless, my thought there was the spider tells him jump in the helicopter. The dude goes, I don't know how to fly. And the spider says, I'll guide your hands. Why didn't the spider just guide his hands to fly away when he was in the Hoomobile? I guess maybe it didn't have the knowledge that that was a possibility. No. Okay, fair enough. Sort of. Explained. I'm I'm kind of assuming that there's a big fat launch button or something. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I doubt it's subtle, but... It also seems like Sarah Jane is completely okay with it flying. Yeah. Like, she's seen that happen before. And if she hasn't seen it happen... If she has seen it happen, surely Unit will have seen it happen as well. If Unit hasn't seen it happen and she hasn't seen it happen, then that means this is the first flight and the doctor's just so confident about his technological skills that when he builds a car that can fly, he knows that I don't have to test fly this. I'll press a button. I'll know exactly how it works and I'll know that it works. It won't blow up. But (laughs) 
why doesn't she then react in shock? Why doesn't she go, fuck, we're flying? <laughs> <laughs> I've started to feel like that's kind of a thing with classic Who. Oh, yeah? It's that generally no one's phased by all the shit that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> like you said earlier, like, they're bringing spiders through and seeing aliens. And, and everyone's like, yeah, all right, fine. Yeah. Like, giant spider, they freak out a little bit, but I feel like they should really be freaking out. Yeah, when there's a, I mean, a spider that's the size of a dog yeah, like, in front of you and it's talking to you, but even if it's not talking to you, there's a spider the size of a poodle <laughs> in front of you. Yeah, you, you and, should be either trying to whack the shit out of it. Yeah, or with, running for the or, hills. Yeah. yeah. And there's a scene where Lupton and the one reluctant wannabe Tibetan, not Tibetan, like one of the wogs, yeah. they're talking in a room, the spider materialises, and the dude just steps kindly around the spider and exits through the front doors. No, <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely would not. Also, just step on it. Yeah. Just step on it. You don't know that it can shoot lightning at this yeah. point. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the the getting back to the chase scene. So we have cars, yep. hovercraft, speedboat, helicopter, flying jet mobile. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the only things that are missing are the tricycle from Day of the Daleks and a jet ski. Like that is it. And aside from that, they have packed the scene is it takes like ten minutes. <laughs> it is nonsense. It's amazing. <laughs> So it just went like, do we have money? Yes. Good. Then we don't have to write a script this week. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could literally feel the money that was spent on it. <laughs> it was just sort of like, as, as if it was a gilded frame. It's like, <laughs> we did not give a shit about the budget. <laughs> I do feel like this is part we go, right, it's my last fucking cereal. Yeah. That, that car is flying. Yeah. I don't care how you do it. It's flying. It's going to fly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get a go in the helicopter, if you didn't before. Absolutely. Or, or, or it's just another go. <laughs> I'm going to fight a lot of people as well. He does get a bit of, yeah. Yeah. I feel like not as much as maybe he's had in the past, but... You're right. You know, I take it back. Yeah. yeah good point. But he gets a bit in there, definitely. He does, yeah. He definitely does. He gets to jump from a hovercraft onto a speeding <laughs> yeah. speedboat. I, I feel like riding the hovercraft, that must be... Like, as soon as that, that scene where you see two random blokes... <laughs> One with a speedboat, one with a hovercraft. Having a chat. And, you know, hovercraft just comes into view and it's like... You're like, yeah, this is next. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, I think there was a period where hovercraft technology was seen as like, this is the future. Yeah, we've definitely come across this on Who I Went Before because in some of the black and white serials, we've had hovercrafts as well. Right. Actually, we, I think we might have had it in one Pertwee serial as well. But... Uh, it, yeah, it, there's uh, oh, it, the one where we have tr- two Troutons, enemy of the something, enemy of the world, maybe? Uh, as in Trouton also plays the bad guy. There's just blatant, oh, fuck it, let's spend 10 minutes on a hovercraft this week. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. And I bet so many people got hard watching that on TV. They are cool. They're amazing and tremendously impractical. <laughs> I, I, I could not help but think... There's a reason why the hovercraft is so far from the speedboat, and it's because the wake of the speedboat would stop the hovercraft yeah. from working. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know the science behind hovercrafts, if they're that bad, but I'm, I'm fairly certain it has to be an incredibly calm piece of water. Well, at least they're vagabond-proof. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Who sat down and thought, you know what? We're going to do this. 
we've already had a random copper. Yeah. Try and chase them and fail and then. Who I also feel is a James Bond trope of the same uh, era. You know, the, the American policeman in, at uh, maybe two Roger Moore movies, you know, like in, in the same, around about the same time, you get to see there's the buffoon cop. Yeah. He's a little overweight and he chases, but he never catches. Yeah. Never understands what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Quite possibly. Oh, sorry. I just cut you off though. But yeah, but so yeah, someone yeah, thought that was a good idea. We, we've already had that. Which and we've already had the momentum of the chase up to this point with helicopters and fancy flying cars and yeah. stuff. Then we get a hovercraft. Yeah. We we're already with the hovercraft. And then we cut to random country <laughs> bumpkin who is the most stereotyped, like outfitted person I have ever seen. Like In terms of being a homeless man, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because he's like he's just a bindle stick <laughs> short of being a homeless person yeah, from it, a it, like, just, Huckleberry Finn story. <laughs> just insane how they just felt ah i don't give a shit yeah <laughs> like like they're gonna understand that this guy <laughs> does does is nothing. not on the property ladder yeah <laughs> you know if you're gonna do that go all out have this be a bit of slapstick where he's disheveled or he spills something on himself and then the hover car goes <laughs> over him up. and he like he stands up and he's got a like a starched white <laughs> shirts he's like oh no i look really snazzy now like his hair he gets a buzz cut or something yeah, his yeah. hair looks nice yeah <laughs> it's one thing to have the hovercraft go over someone it's another to kind of put it in that whole context and someone did both <laughs> it's, it's quite amazing i loved it so go for it. Massive tangent from, yeah, yeah. from that in a way, but on okay. that on that same point, I forget who wrote this. But would you think they specifically put that in? There's the most country bumpkin va- vagabondy guy you can ever imagine, lying out with a bit of food, and then he gets <laughs> run over by the hovercraft. Or is that someone just dicking around in production? I <laughs> uh, I assume it was in the script. Uh, this was written by someone named Robert Slowman. Slowman. This was his last serial. He wrote The Daemons, The Time Monster, The Green Death. Ah. So he wrote the original uh, Metabilis 3 crystal so story. This effectively is a two-parter from him, then. Sort of, yeah. And then Planet of the Spiders, and that was it. So he has an obsession with helicopters. He does. Um, <laughs> and Definitely. Either wrote something into... Um, oh, I forgot. Green Death, that's the one. Yeah. That no one else knew, knew how to finish. Or it was already always planned. Do you think it was always planned? What that, that the blue crystals would back? come back? Maybe it, it's a. I don't remember why the doctor gave Joe and her new boyfriend slash husband in real life the blue crystal in the first place. I can't remember why he says, "Oh, yeah, you know, here's a wedding gift. Have this incredibly powerful crystal that might come in handy one day." Yeah, I watched that. I didn't record the episode. Yeah, because um, I wasn't doing that then sure but i watched it and i don't remember feeling like there were things to continue to wrap up i don't think there were no no so it it might be that yeah there was no plan we get to see the blue crystals again by the way first off this has been mentioned we mentioned this quite recently possibly in our last classic review that there's an audiobook or two audiobooks called the eight truths and the web of whatever i can't remember what it was yep uh double feature with the Eighth Doctor, we may or may not be reviewing that very soon. 
which is a sequel to this episode or to this serial. So it, it all, well, sequel in the sense that it also features the spiders and it also features the blue crystals from Metabilis 3. Put the pin here yeah. for us to come back to. Go Carry for on. it. Okay. But we also encounter it with Matt Smith. Matt Smith uses the blue crystal from Metabilis 3 in the episode Hide. But that's in next... I did look it up and it is in the next season of Matt Smith, as in from where we are currently yeah. with Matt Smith. So it take, takes a long time for it to come back into something. So, yeah. But is that one of these... Like 35 years. Okay, so, so the pin I put in... 40 years. Go for it. Applies to both the audiobook and potentially this Matt Smith one. Because towards the end of this episode, yeah. for not really any explained reason, the mountain where the queen is explodes. and all the crystals explodes big time. Yeah. Like, bam, everything's Mucho gone. Mucho grande style. Yeah. <laughs> and all the spiders seem to be affected by this. All the spiders yeah. seem to die. Or possibly they're just they're just being in a lot of pain. I don't know. But the implication is that they're gone. Yeah. At least the leader spiders, right? Well, all the Metabilis 3 humans that were... The two legs. Yeah, the, t- the two legs. Yeah. That's a lot easier to say. You're right. <laughs> Um, the, the two legs that are in the spider lair yeah. are suddenly freed because their spiders are incapacitated or killed. Oh, that's true. So it, Even though they should be totally deadsville because they were in a mountain that blew up. No, they were in a spaceship. Yeah, they're in like the spider city. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. sorry, and, sorry. and all the spiders on Earth, they go. Also kaput. die. They go kaput. Uh, like, by the way, 400 years before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally, like they're all psychically linked. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, this it really looked like the end of the spider. Well, the evolved spider race. That's true. The, the two, the, the eight legs. So. Yeah. Well, there are no spiders in none of those spiders in the Matt Smith episode, right? That's just he uses the crystal because he probably just kept the crystal, or maybe he kept a crystal of that kind. Like, I guess it maybe it could be a different one, but maybe yeah. it's not a perfect one, I suppose. The Doctor hands over the perfect crystal oh, he does. Yeah, to the right. Queen. Okay, so I can explain that through the... I, I mean, not going into massive detail on the audiobooks, uh, because, yeah, screw it, we will be reviewing it. Uh, but in the audiobook, there are a bajillion spiders, and there are a bajillion blue crystals. They're not necessarily perfect crystals, but there are blue crystals. And like, there's a cult following around the eight truths, whatever. And every member of this cult has a blue crystal. So there are tons of them. That's the eighth doctor. The eighth doctor may very well have kept one of those blue crystals. Then hundreds of years later, he turns into Matt Smith. He still has the blue crystal. That might be the crystal that he then uses in the episode Hyde. So that yeah. works for me in terms well, of Matt Smith having a crystal. I, I'm okay with the crystal thing. If if there are similar blue crystals that do a similar job, yeah. but the Queen needed the perfect ones to do her mind control yeah. over the entire universe, yawn. <laughs> yeah, again. <laughs> what do you want to do? Take over the world? No, I want to take over the universe. The, universe. <laughs> the world is too small. <laughs> I'm very intrigued how the audiobook... If if it's meant to be set after this, maybe maybe that's the point. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But if it's meant to be set after this, how there are spiders? How how we, the audiobook explains that there are spiders because we we see them all basically die, even the ones on Earth. Like we haven't seen the entire planet of the spiders. Maybe there are more spiders somewhere that are somehow shielded from this psychokinetic storm that kills everything. Yeah, and. Maybe there are other, they other queens, I suppose. Also possible. Actually, yeah. she wasn't even the queen. The, the queen was the one who got oh, carried sorry, around. Yeah, yeah. And then no, there's this was... one like anomalous spider who's the great one. The great one, yes. 
a great life, by the way. You're obese and you live in a cave. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm aspiring to. <laughs> it's fair to say the next episode that we're dropping is the audiobook review. So, you know, tune in. Tune in next week. Well, or in a few days. <laughs> <laughs> Very minor point, but okay. I'd, be, I'd be intrigued as to what you thought the lightning was. I have a few kind of possibilities for how it was affecting people. Okay. I can give you those now. Go or, for it. Well, because to start with, I thought it was a physical thing. Yeah. It's obviously shown as a physical thing. There's a sound effect to go with it. Yeah. Sound effect I didn't really like, actually. Like compare it to the lightning bolts that Palpatine shocks Vader with. Yeah. Glad is, you went to Palpatine as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly did. It, it had no relevance to the to the visual effect. Really, it was just kind of like wibbly wobbly blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it wasn't electricity. Yeah. It wasn't sparks and stuff. But uh, Sorry, go ahead. My second interpretation, because of the way things evolve through the serial, and we see Tom withstanding these bolts, and we see, I think, everyone that gets zapped by it recovering. Yeah. And I think maybe you hinted at it earlier as well, that perhaps this is a psychokinetic thing. It, it's purely... It, uh, zaps their brain somehow and it, it gives you some pain or gives you... I reckon this is it. I reckon the writer goes, listen, they can control people. The BBC goes, yeah, but we need to show that somehow. How are we going to show that? Oh, it's lightning. Oh, okay, cool. They can shoot lightning. But the lightning isn't lightning. It's like telep- telepathy, basically. Yeah. And uh, and that's it. But we never get to see anyone burnt by it. I think this is why I struggled with it, because I don't think it's consistent in what it's meant to do, because... People aren't generally kind of like holding their heads like it's causing them pain in their brain. But then, oh wait, hang on. The fact that you said that made me think Lupton holds his head because they use telepathy or some kind of psychokinetic ability to torture him, mentally yeah. torture him. And he like clasps his head. Which I think is, is his spider. So his spider... It, does... it, not just, also when he's in the Senate. Oh, do they all get in on yeah, that? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Because he's at that point, like his spider did it to him first and then he proved somehow to be even cleverer and stronger, and he did that to the spider. Yeah. And the spider's like, all right, fine, I'll do your bidding now. (laughs) They go to the Senate, and when all the spiders team up on him, he just can't withstand it anymore. And he grasps his head, and there are no lightning bolts or anything like that. Well, I I still, because because of the line that that his spider said, she says something like, we're connected, which is how the the previous thing happened with she she hurt him, he hurt her. Yeah. So I, I kind of felt like there was a different kind of link between that spider and Lump- Lupton. And then the rest of them would kind of piggybacking on that same link. So they didn't have to do the lightning thing. They could just kind of like use the power of their minds combined okay. through his spider. But I think it's, it's, it's interesting. But you think this is a physical thing. I'm not so sure that it is a physical thing. I suspect that it's just the BBC going, yeah, but we need it to be manifest somehow so that, yeah. we, so that viewers will be in awe of it. I think it's interesting to hear you make that point when we we just discuss that they have this scene where he, Lupton, is overcome through a purely mind-controlled effect and that there isn't a visual thing, there isn't a... Maybe there is a sound, actually, I'm not sure, but... There might, there might be, but there, it's not the same sound yeah. and it doesn't have that lightning and it is, despite that, hugely effective. Yeah, I think it, in some ways it kind of is better, better. than the lightning. hundred percent, yeah. Because I feel, felt like probably 60% of the cast that is called upon to make the lightning thing yeah. do it pretty poorly. Like, they, <laughs> they, don't, they don't have a lot of energy. Like, there 
there are there are actors out there that are used to doing green screen stuff and like can imagine how something might end up looking yeah and i feel like maybe the majority of the cast didn't have that kind of experience and just kind of like put their hand out and went oh yeah uh, yeah mummy hand will get you Do you think maybe they did that and they didn't know at the time what the effect was going to be? I feel like they must have known. Well, maybe the actors didn't even know. Well, I don't know. But it, it it didn't come off very well a lot of the times. I think I'm I'm thinking particularly of the the wads when they all oh get, the, like in unison they're all yeah. Well, I think individually and together, n- none of them felt very threatening like when they were attacking Tom and that that whole scene I think could have been a lot better if if Tom was shown to be. Like if if you've been shown to be resisting some mind things, like I think it might have actually looked better. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And actually, I hadn't thought about that scene, but that scene does make it seem as though it is something physical. I think because they're they're always directed the lightning bolts are always directed at the chest as well. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was just, this is the thing I just, just never quite understood. Like there are a lot of things that kind of I don't think that's been yeah I don't think but. that's been clarified at all. A similar issue I would take with their teleportation ability which somehow it, humans can also master. Like Sarah Jane suddenly learns how to teleport. Yeah. Uh, and she just goes, yeah, yeah, well, the queen showed me is really easy. Oh, wait, wait, can you do that? Is that like a thing you can do now? Well, that's that's the queen, though. She's got the queen on her back at that point. Oh, yeah, you're, oh, you're right. You know yeah. what? You're right, fine. But that then still means that the queen can teleport and she can also teleport any human that she's with. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I'd miss that. that. But why can she teleport? And why can the queen who, when climbing off Lupton, that scene where, like, Lupton goes to sleep on his face and his eight legs goes down, encounters a door, clearly just goes, well, I can't open doors. Or the BBC goes, oh, shit, we hadn't thought about this. Spider needs to get out of the room. And we don't have effects to, like, get it to open a door or whatever. And it maybe looks poor. That spider just teleports to the other side of the door. Yeah. Okay, two questions for you. A, how? And B, if spiders on humans' backs can teleport themselves and their humans out of there, and in fact, that spider does that with Lupton beforehand. That's how they escape the speedboat. Yeah. Why even get on the helicopter, you know? Why not just... They, A, that spider teleports the stone into Lupton's hand. Why not just teleport straight out of there or teleport the stone into the fucking monastery? I what, what really got me was actually going back to that Wads scene. Yeah. It's like there are suddenly four of them that have spiders. Yeah. Like all of these spiders, presumably, we have to presume, have the same abilities. Yeah. So they can all teleport. They can all do some kind of telekinesis thing. We've got them trying to get through a door. Tom's guarding it. Um, yeah. Teleport so, past him. Yeah. Like there are so Tele- many things. That- teleport Tom to the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Like we... <laughs> We've always said they could uh, probably overpower him physically, which they, yeah. they kind of attempt to put a, a naff at. They had so many other powers they could use. And yeah. I think there is a point where they they know that the crystal is in, in the room or something like that. And all the spiders are like, well, what do we do? We have to go, go get it. And it's like, well, the other spider that was with Lupton just went, you know what? Look at it. Boop, 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 boop. It's there it is. Your hands. Yeah. Look at that. Amazing. Yeah. Let's, let's bugger off for a day now. Lunch, everyone. On foot. <laughs> slash in a car, slash yeah. in a helicopter. Yeah. Which... Oh, wait, I've got another question for you. How did the guy get to Unit HQ with the spider on him? You take a train and then a taxi <laughs> and then a walk. See, if they showed him teleporting, that would have been fine. Exactly. We would be totally... Done. Problem solved. Yeah. yeah. He followed the psychic path and just went... 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So many questions. <laughs> oh, so many questions. Yeah. Coupling that to technology, what do you think of the thought VCR? The visual recording of... Of, like, brain... Not brain patterns, but of actual thoughts and visions. I rolled my eyes a bit, definitely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I kind of liked that it was set up as a... It seemed a very kind of... Why Why do we have this professor... Well, not professor. Oh, yeah. Mind guy showing us past stuff and they did actually come back to it like when he died the doctor used look it to it. kind of work out you see the spider yeah doesn't help at all but no but it's, I don't know kind it's of, fine kind of liked it okay okay yeah. cool well, did you like it I did like it but I thought that it actually alongside the whole professor bit was entirely unnecessary what bothers me about that whole setup is why have a sub story that never gets tied up with unit in the first place. Why have ESP experiments at unit HQ at all? Yeah. Why have that professor and et cetera, et cetera? Why have the brigadier showing up to watch a burlesque show and then just bugger off until the very end where he shows up and has admittedly a few great lines, but only in the final scene? Why does unit never help? It's because unit isn't necessary. This is not a serial that's written for unit, but Benton and Bagels, they show up maybe because they're contractually obliged or something. But yeah, my problem with the Thought VCR is that it's just, it's showing off tech that in no way aids the plot. No, true. Because what does seeing a spider help, I guess? You could cut that entire thing and have this start with Yates has noticed something. He tells Sarah Jane, the doctor wonders where his companion is. Oh, she must have gone there. Oh, there's something else afoot. Oh, there are spiders, you know. Yeah. Well, I guess you made the point earlier that the blue crystal being used in that experimentation is possibly what gives... I can't remember... Did, did but, I actually say this, or was, was this your interpretation? It's that, my interpretation. Yeah. So, well, like, actually, you know what? Maybe they do say it, because at some point, the guy looks into the blue crystal, right? And then later on, we see there are, there are spiders on the Thought VCR. Yeah. So that means that there was a... They, at least, if they don't say it, we learn as an audience that they picked up on him looking into the crystal. Because otherwise, yeah, why would he have seen that spider? But... That does not corroborate why stuff is suspicious to Yates. Because it happens afterwards. Yeah. No, the the whole Yates being there, I have quite an issue with. I think yeah, but keep ever... Yates. Keep Yates, but substantiate it. And then skip the thought VCR, skip the professor, and either involve bagels properly in the story, or just don't involve unit at all. Well, but yeah, I, I think maybe you don't involve unit then, because, yeah. because unit are involved... I kept thinking at various points, like, it, uh, they don't actually cross over that often, but every time Yates is a big part of this plot, yeah. why isn't everyone going, holy fuck, Yates, what are you doing here? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> like, last time we saw you, you were trying to revert the unit. The, 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 I know, it's just Earth, wasn't it? But, you know. Yeah, still. You massively betrayed us. Um, <laughs> like, that just never comes up. He, ha- he has a little moment with Sarah Jane. Well, she's not even that bothered, but he's trying to explain why he came to her. Yeah. But through the rest of the serial, he's just there. Like, there's there's never anything about the betrayal. Like, Benton and the Brig, like, as, as soon as they know that he's part of this, like, why isn't there some kind of scene of suspicion and, and just like... Can we trust this man? Yeah. We couldn't before. Yeah. It's just it, never dealt with. It would have been, if you're going to involve Bagels and everyone else, it would have been fantastically interesting to have Bagels and Yates meet. Yeah. And just see where those two characters take it from there. Even if it doesn't aid the plot at all, at least have them meet and have an emotional 
connection, or perhaps better, Yates and Benton, because Benton used to report to Yates. Yates is now presumably no longer in service. Benton is sort of, in a way, his superior now because he has authority and Yates no longer yeah. does. But they're friends and they were brothers in arms and so on. So that would be, yeah, that would, dag nabbit, <laughs> Mr. Sloman. Well, because the other thing is I've read a bit of trivia that this is apparently the last time we see Yates. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that was the intention at this point. It, it may have well been on the cards because it's the end of a series. It's an end of a, a particular actor playing the Doctor. Like, yeah. presumably a lot of things are changing. So they may Benton well have... still sticks around, though. Okay. And bagels. Oh, yeah. So they may not have known 100% that this was the last thing for Yates, but if they had any kind of inkling, wouldn't you want to have kind of wrapped up that? Give them a, a better little bit. off yeah. yeah. Like, everything squared with unit or something. I don't know. Anything. Yeah. We never get to see the other protagonists say farewell to Yates. We don't even get to see Sarah Jane say farewell to Yates. No, I, I, I don't actually even recall how he exits this episode. I know he gets zapped and then he's okay. He's okay, yeah. But I feel like that might be it. It's just, I think that he's is okay. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, uh, I mean, his rehab has been tragically interrupted. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, as has the rehab for all these other peoples, all the wogs at the <laughs> monastery. What are they going to do now? I, I'm not quite sure what they were after <laughs> in the first place. I feel like they were kind of in on it. and Well, they, they were in on it, but I don't... I, I have no idea what that setup was. Like, what? What? They, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> On the topic of the other wogs at the rehab center, I thought Lupton's motivation was magnificent. He worked the grind for 25 years, but never saw any satisfaction from it, never got any uh, recognition. No one respected him, and he just hated his job. He was a sales manager and a sales director, and then whatever he says, like the marketing team came and took over, and he was no longer necessary. Oh, wow, this is topical. Uh, <laughs> and now he is going to exact revenge on all of mankind as a consequence. I loved that. <laughs> really? Yeah. It Just was... because it's every every office worker's dream. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, yeah, Lupton, I'm on your side. Like, I get it. I, I love that he wasn't just a dude who wanted to take over the world. He wasn't another Mavic Chen from the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Or, sorry, the Dalek Master Plan. He wasn't, like, he wasn't one of those characters with just, like, fine, you spiders take over the universe, but I will be ruler of Earth, or something, you know, to that effect. And he wasn't after money or anything like that. It was just pure revenge for an incredibly relatable reason. <laughs> I've got a shitty job. Yeah. <laughs> Shut on me. Right. So there's there's one massive thing we haven't talked about at all. The very end? Regeneration. Yeah. In fact, there are two regener regenerations in this serial. There are. I just want to... Sorry, go ahead. Pause that. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's leave like, that for no, no, no. I'm happy to, to talk about it. I just want to pause the dissecting of the actual regenerations. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I had assumed, I think I, I talked about this on a previous podcast episode, uh -huh. that the term regeneration had been used before. Because this is the fourth Doctor. I think it has been. Well, has it not been used? Apparently not. Is that in the trivia? Is this the first time they use that term? This serial introduces the term regeneration. Oh, there you go. So, so says Wikipedia, anyway. Oh, well, I trust Wikipedia. <laughs> I didn't realise. That's amazing. Which I found, I found quite interesting, because... Like we, well, I think me in particular had issues with the ESP explanation at the, <laughs> the start of the very first episode. Yeah. We get a very kind of detailed, dumbed down yeah. thing about regeneration. I think twice because... Because it's once about 
like it, there's the parallel with Tibetan philosophy yeah. slash religion. It's like, oh, well, actually, this happens on Earth as well in a certain way. I, th- I think I m- meant more exactly. Like, I, th- I think the old Tibetan guy, yeah. the doc's old teacher, yeah. explains the concept kind of to the doctor saying, I'm going to regenerate. And then I think think later on it gets explained again. I think both times because Sarah Jane's in the room. Like, it's... And it, but either way, we, we get a very clear breakdown of what Time Lord regeneration is. That's true. I don't know. I, I found it quite incredible that this is the first time they actually embraced this concept that they have used already. But like, I don't know how else to interpret it, that they are embracing it. They're saying, you know what? We haven't just done this because the actors wanted to leave. We're making this a part of the canon thing for a Time Lord. This is how Time Lords work. Like yeah. we're, gi- we're giving it a name, we're building up some mythology, you know. They're, they're, they're also go- showing the first non-Doctor regeneration on screen. Right. So, yeah, in terms of building it into the canon, this is to show it doesn't just involve or apply to this one main character of the show, it applies to the species as yeah. a whole. But I don't remember how it was dealt with in script when um, Hartnell regenerated and when Troughton regenerated. I'm almost certain that Pertwee explains to uh, maybe to Bagels in uh, Spearhead from Space. I'm certain that he says, listen, I'm the same guy that you've been interacting with. Yeah. I had to change all of the cells in my body or whatever in order to survive. Something like that. He doesn't use the term regeneration, perhaps, but I feel like we have had a dis- an explanation of what happened. But I, what, I just wonder if it's just a very subtle tweak. Yeah. So if they did describe it as like, oh, I, I had to do this thing to to survive yeah from now on is it just that i don't die i regenerate, I regenerate. yeah so and it's it, also something that it, it means that it will apply to i mean obviously we both already said it also applies to the rest of the species but specifically we have had another time lord quite recently uh, roger delgado played the master and delgado the actor tragically passed away recently in the timeline and the you know the classic who timeline yeah but the, the character did not. And the fact that the audience has now been informed that Time Lords in general, Gallifreyans, do regenerate, they don't die. Probably everyone knows that Roger Delgado, the actor, passed away. Yeah. This suddenly opens up, you know, the possibility to the audience. Oh, wait, maybe the arch nemesis himself could return. And in fact, obviously he does. Yeah. I think, I think you must be right that they decided to make this the key moment to, to open up the possibilities for reviving that foe, but obviously saying, you know, this isn't just a... I don't know when the Master returns, by the way, so I I don't Mm. think that I can... I think you're giving me undue credit. Uh, I think this is your observation and uh, that this has now been... This is now canonical. But I I think the aspect of it being a a Time Lord trait is quite key, because it sounds like that... I think so too. It sounds like that wasn't really established. And this is a decade into this franchise. Yeah. So... The actual regenerations. Uh, oh, also, so, uh, sorry, parenthesis, speaking of key things, first close-up of the TARDIS key, I believe. Oh. Which doesn't look like a key at all. It looks like a, I don't know, a, a squished walnut. Like, I, I don't know, it, it doesn't look like a key key. I must admit, I think I glanced away from this, the screen when, I, when we showed the it key. It looks thing. like an acorn, I think. It looks oh, like okay. a, a flat acorn, or like a plectrum, maybe. Whereas nowadays, it's a key, you know? Yeah. The evolution of the TARDIS key. Just having a little look oh. for images. Oh, there are some very... So there were keys associated with the previous Doctors, by the looks of it. Oh, really? Yeah. And the third Doctor and the fourth Doctor have the same key. Oh, the acorn. This weird acorn thing. Yeah. yeah. But the previous two 
had a key, and the next two have a key. Nice. <laughs> and, and then it goes a bit um, Gallifreyan for a bit, and then comes back to the acorn. So this is this is the seventies key. So yeah, regeneration scene. So from my point of view, coming from only really knowing you knew who, uh-huh. a little bit disappointed. Okay. <laughs> to, for old Tibetan guy who it's what I dubbed him. Oh uh, yeah. There was literally no effect. Yeah, he morphs into his younger self, possibly, or morphs into young Tibetan guy, and then Luke Skywalker's out of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is really weird. But the, the swap between him and Cho Ji. Okay, uh, is that the young one? I think, okay. yeah. Who's, it, it's obviously the same actor. Um, I don't know if it's... Is it? Meant, I didn't realise. As in, as in Cho Ji, who is his mind projection yeah. person. Is that the same actor? Is he just born so. a fake beard later on? Oh, no, oh, no. no. Like, he's not playing the same... Uh, well, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. I so don't know. Well, he morphs into the young actor anyway. Yeah. I want to say it's an old actor who morphs into a young actor. That's not the same actor, right? No. Oh, dude, for a second there, you blew my mind. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> I am assuming not. We could we could easily <laughs> check this out, but you know what? I don't want to. Okay. It, it's like, it's the Cho G or however you say that name. Yeah. Actor without glasses. But it's it's a... Maybe a slighter hue of face makeup. Yes, I yeah. think possibly, yeah, not quite so offensive. But. Yeah. <laughs> Still offensive. Uh, yeah. Just less so. Less so. Yeah. But there, there, I don't think there's even a, a, a fade effect. It's just literally old guy, young guy. Possibly, yeah. Um, we do get a fade effect between Pertwee and Baker. We do. Which I found really odd as well. It's, it's like, to start with, I'm really underwhelmed. Like, this is my first classic Who regeneration, yeah. like, seeing in context. And... It's this random Time Lord that we've only just discovered is a Time Lord uh-huh. is spouting a load of bollocks. Like, he's it, not <laughs> adding a lot to this story. He's just like, I don't know, old wise guy who has just been sat in the corner this whole time. And Do you gives- mean he's spouting bollocks when he's still the young dude and he just shows up? Or he's sitting in his own, like on his throne? Or do you mean he spouts bullshit when he loose Skywalker's into the room and nudges the doctor into regeneration. Oh, absolutely. Because that I loved. Oh, I was oh, You hated it. Oh, I hated that. Oh, why? A, we've just seen him regenerate. Yeah. B, the doctor has previously regenerated. Correct. So C, why does he need to give it a nudge? Okay. And I'll- if he didn't, does that mean the doctor would have died? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I don't know the latter. I suspect that he wouldn't but it would take longer. I think this dude... Okay, let's ca- carry on with the Jedi comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars comparison. And for the record, I'm more of a Trek fan than a Star Wars fan. But okay, so you have Jedis all over the place, right? But then you have people like Obi-Wan and Luke, and they wield the Force in a different way. Every Jedi doesn't turn into a ghost that walks around in a swamp, right? But Obi-Wan yeah. and, and Luke do, right? So in this case, you have the Doctor's teacher, who is clearly wiser than the Doctor is himself. Like, he has... He's retired to this Tibetan monastery where he pretends to be Tibetan and is just healing people who are, like, stressed out at work. And he's super-duper wise about everything. He probably wields Gallifreyan regeneration energy in a way that the Doctor doesn't, that most Gallifreyans don't. Which is why, and I think this ties in with New Who, where, for example, Matt Smith has no more regenerations, the rest of the Time Lords send some regeneration energy his way, 
and allow him to regenerate again. Ooh. So he, but there we have lots of CGI and there are sparkles and then he lights up and he goes, he de-wrinkles and then, you know, we have lots of effects. Here, we don't have any effects. He just waves his hand in Pertwee's direction, but he effectively does the same thing. He sends him a little bit of either regeneration energy because he can spare it because he's fucking Yoda. And Pertwee regenerates with his blessing, in a way. Okay. I loved that scene. You know what? I like it a lot more. Because you're a Star Wars fan, you weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) It's not... No, it was actually bringing it around with the the new Who. Yeah, no offence, Star Wars sale, by the way. I also enjoy Star Wars. I just prefer Star Trek. I'm really sorry. Um, I'm a massive Star Wars fan. I know you are. (laughs) (laughs) It's all fine. (laughs) I was biting my lip to kind of like fill in some of the blanks, but... You, you do you. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't need it to be a Jedi thing. Like it bothered me just that this character. Like I actually take more offense with you saying he's like this best version of a Time Lord. He's not the best version. Well, but he is a more enlightened version of them, right? I'm paraphrasing. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but because he's gone to this Tibetan monastery, yeah, I'm doing air quotes. Uh huh. Um, in Berkshire. Uh huh makes sense why not go to tibet if you really if you if you really thought like, <laughs> meditation was i don't know like the the solution to things and oh. and it was the tibetan monks that had the best kind of interpretation of it or right. whatever yeah why the hell are you some weird corporate tr- retreat feeling place in berkshire <laughs> you strange strange little man <laughs> Like, okay, I grew up in Berkshire. I do uh-huh. not want to spend like my retirement in Berkshire. Really, like it's it's fine, but like if I was a Time Lord, I would not be looking at the entire universe open to me and going, "Yep, Berkshire's the place." Berkshire. Okay, let's see here. Hang on. First off, we've had episodes set in Tibet. Okay, on in, in Doctor Who. Uh, we had the Yeti episodes with actual Tibetan monks. If you're going to revisit that philosophy uh, and that religion, why not revisit that location? And maybe you can tie it to that. And maybe the doctor, if he's going to recognize someone, maybe he'll recognize someone he met in the, that serial. Yeah. You know, there could be something like, oh, I haven't been here since yada yada. It doesn't even have to be a recognition of a person. It could just be like, <laughs> I remember when I saw Metal Spheres and Yeti running around the place. But do you think maybe the reason he goes to Berkshire is because he really admires Tibetan culture, but he knows that if he goes to Tibet and he puts on a bunch of offensive makeup, people will look at him in a weird way. Whereas if he goes to Berkshire, people won't notice. They'll assume he's Tibetan. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We've made different assumptions about what's going on here. My assumption is this is the BBC being racist. This isn't the Time Lord being racist. Why does the Time Lord have less makeup when he is regenerating? I don't know. It's because he hasn't applied makeup. This guy you're, you're deliberately making... puts on an accent when he talks to people. <laughs> if that's the case, he's even more of an ass. Like... But then he yeah. does have like a, an all-inclusive, you know, equal opportunities employee policy. So, uh, you know, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does like as we've discussed this it feels like he is there just to establish that time lords in general can regenerate 
Yeah, I think you're right. He, and I also I might cut my last comment. <laughs> <laughs> that was not me being... I was trying to clarify. If In case I don't cut it, I just wanted to clarify that I thought that element of the story was maybe mildly offensive. I wasn't trying to be offensive myself. I apologize if anyone misunderstood that. Okay, anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Rest assured, I didn't misunderstand. <laughs> okay, but yeah, any, all right, fine. <laughs> Back to the regeneration scene. Please remind me, does Pertwee get any proper final words? Because if he does, I don't remember. I feel like he's mid-sentence. Oh, really? When he, yeah, I think he's, he, I think he's trying to reassure Sarah Jane. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forget exactly what he says, but I, f- I feel like you know he's about to say, like, I'll be the same person, or yeah, it's okay, I'm regenerating. Like He's like one word off the, the full reassuring package. Yeah. And then Sarah Jane thinks he's dying, because at this point doesn't fully believe it. Then Yoda shows up. Yeah. I think that's what happened. I think you're right. And then he's basically lifeless and Yoda goes, don't worry about it. He's regenerating. I'll give him a nudge. Yeah. What I love about that scene as well is that at this point, I mean, obviously they've cast Tom Baker because we even get to see the fade, but they've clearly done screen tests with Tom Baker and Tom Baker has already decided how he's going to be the fourth doctor. He's just going to be Tom Baker, who is amazing and wacky and crazy. And they bake that into the dialogue. Oh, yeah. Yoda goes like, you might find that this dude is a little quirky. <laughs> Again, <laughs> this didn't sit well with me because we've literally just seen him regenerate. And yeah. he's perfectly fine. Yeah, but he is Yoda. And also we have... But again... Sorry, but, but, sorry, sorry, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm interrupting your no, interruption. No, no, come on. So Pertwee is not the same as Troughton, and Troughton was not the same as Hartnell. So we, the audience, know that there can be a change of personality when the Doctor regenerates. I think that's fine, but those aren't the words he uses. He does say, like, he might be a bit quirky, or... He's, like, he's the same guy, but he'll be a little eccentric. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're absolutely right that he describes Tom, Tom Baker. Baker. Yeah, like, I love that. <laughs> like, I'm okay with, like, that's the setup. Like, he could know how that personality is going to rebake or something. Yeah. Like, he, he is Yoda. Like, I, I could get on board with that. It's just... But it's clearly not in, the case. In the context of yeah. the fact we've just seen him regenerate, we know that the Doctor has regenerated before, and the way he describes it, it's, yeah. I don't know, it's just, it's just weird. Love it. (laughs) I reckon the BBC, they saw Tom Baker, they did the the whole audition thing, and they just go, that is excellent. That's exactly where we want to go. But someone in the office just went, the audience is not going to accept this unless we give them a heads up. They're going to go, that is nothing like Pertwee. This dude is not the saint. You know, he's not James Bond. So how do we justify it? And this is how they did. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I wonder how they got Mr. Sloman to, if Sloman wrote those words, I wonder how they got him to write that. Like, I wonder if maybe between episodes five and six, they just went like, Sloman, have lunch with this man. (laughs) (laughs) Right, did you enjoy your boiled eggs? Now, describe him in two succinct sentences. (laughs) All right, yeah, we should go to racing, shall we? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. So I think I mostly like this. Okay. Which gives us an indication of the ballpark uh-huh. the number will be in. <laughs> I'm I think, intrigued. I think we've, um, we've discussed quite a few problems, but overall I think it is quite a, it is quite a nice little story in serial. It's, it's quite fun. Uh-huh. Like, 
the chase scene with all those vehicles. It's nonsense, but so much fun. Yeah. Um, the fact that they run over the vagabond country bumpkin. Again, nonsense, but so much fun. <laughs> like, and I, I feel like that's possibly what was just going on through various bits of this, this serial, is that either through Pertwee's influence, because they wanted to give him a good send-off, or maybe that's just the way this guy writes. I don't, I don't know. Uh-huh. They don't know, took some really weird ideas, some grand concepts, and just had a bit of fun with it. And some of it gets fairly serious in places, but for the most part, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like I was just along for the ride, and I was being entertained. Every now and again, something would jump out and go, oh, that's a bit shit. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a nice little story. It's it's dragging in a few places. It's not maybe the best send-off for Pertwee that I, I would have imagined, but it's still it's still pretty decent. I'm going to go with a 3.2. Ooh, 3.2. Okay. And just to, just to clarify, we may have read numbers from our, our listeners who yeah. have submitted the mini reviews already. Indeed. That didn't influence my score. I had written it down already. Okay. I adjusted it based on our discussion. So I was at a 3.4 to start with. Oh, and really? I brought it down a little bit because as we discussed things, I think there were things that were just unraveling a little bit too much. Okay. But overall, enjoyed it. All right. Okay. 3.2 from you. All right. I'll come clean. I had not decided on a number until approximately 10 seconds ago. You know what? I think I probably would have given this a similar-ish score. Okay. Uh, like before we even sat down to chat today, I really like this serial. I understand why this is a legendary serial because it has it's exciting, it's fun, it's got a grand scope. It's a six episode arc that doesn't necessarily need to be six episodes long, but it is. And everything that you just said, it's hugely rewatchable. I know that I will rewatch this serial, but we probably could have gotten a better send off episode. Like maybe just the conclusion of episode six could have been written to give. Pertwee a little bit more oomph, you know? Just make it more dialogue-heavy from his point of view, not just have his teacher talk. Have him talk, you know? Yeah. And maybe make it clearer that he's sacrificing himself. I know they say that, oh, you're not going to make it and whatever, but it doesn't seem like it, there's no struggle for him to do that. Just goes, yeah, all right, I'll do that. Yeah, I sorry to jump into your review, but I, I have to admit, I didn't fully understand why he had to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, as, also, as well. a good, also like, a good point. Yeah. Absolutely no problem whatsoever. Also, actually, we didn't talk about this, but I don't understand why he's so reluctant to give the spider this crystal. I mean, there's no risk of it harming the universe. It seems as though it's just going to kill the evil spiders. Yeah, I mean... It problem li- solved. Literally turns into his endgame yeah, maneuver. Exactly. Is, yeah, give it to them, they'll kill themselves. Yeah. And either add more units or take out unit altogether. That's what she said. I love the spiders. I love the effects. I don't mind the Mongolian kibbutz. I enjoy almost every single element of this story, including the ones that make no sense whatsoever and that are incredibly dumb, including the fake Tibetan monastery in Berkshire. <laughs> but I think this is where like, you have to review and rate 70s who differently from you know, yeah. 2018 who, if we had this kind of storyline with... Capaldi or Whitaker, or like, or with Matt Smith. We talked about Matt Smith before. It just wouldn't fly, and I would give this a wildly lower rating. But in the seventies, who was different, and for a seventies episode, this is even better than it is on its own. I'm going higher than you, and I think I'm going higher because of all the criticism that we have spent two hours producing together. I'm giving this a three point eight. 
I freaking love this <laughs> cereal. And I'm so excited for Tom Baker to arrive now as well. I'm, I'm so sorry to see Pot, uh, Pert We Go, but I'm super excited for what's ahead. Yeah, I am super excited as well. Oh, oh man. Oh, yeah, and bye, Yates. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> 3.8. Bam. Listener minis. Now let's hear from podcast land. Max 50, or it would get out of hand. Okie dokie. So we have a, a fistful and a bit of listener minis for this one. And um, as we've said before, we're going to be uh, we're going to be ruthless, and we're going to read 250 words uh, more or less of, of each, with one exception. We're getting to that one. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, you're more than welcome to send us your mini reviews, and we will read them out on the show. But if you send us more than 250 words, we will choose 250 words to read out. Most likely, they're just going to be the first 250. Okie dokie. So let's start with Trenton Blaze. Hello, Trenton. Hello, Trenton. Trenton goes. I'll start this one. And here we are, the end of the Pertwee era. Planet of the Spiders is the final adventure of the Third Doctor, and as far as regeneration stories go, it's right in the middle. It's not the grand spectacle that the War Games was, a spectacle as you can get on a 60s BBC budget, and thankfully it wasn't total fan-wank like the end of time was. It was a mix of the best and worst of Pertwee. That whole chase early in the story is filler. <laughs> Plain and simple, but what What delightful filler. (laughs) It could have been cut, continues Trenton, and we could have had a five-episode arc, but the chase is all right for what it is. It's pretty much a showcase of the vehicles, yep. And when the Doctor drives the hovercraft over the guy, that got a little chuckle from me. And everyone, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Trenton continues, this story is Barry Lett's baby. He wrote, directed, and produced the story, and it shows how much love went into this. It was his greatest contribution to Doctor Who, as he pretty much gave us the official term of regeneration. Yeah. We're going to jump to the last paragraph of this one now. So go to Who Back When and read this in its full splendor. But Trenton concludes, And so, on the 2nd of April, 1974, magnificent John Pertwee and virtually unknown Tom Baker lay on the floor of TC1, Television Centre Studio One, for those of you who don't know, while Barry Letts oversaw a gentle crossfade. A momentous piece of television, with lump in throat, Nicholas Courtney ad-libbed the final line. Well, here we go again. Great ad-lib. Yeah, it's amazing. Doctor Who would never be the same again. And he gives it 3.9 out of 5. Excellent rating, Trenton. (laughs) Zing, zing. There's a bit of uh, trivia as well, in case you're looking for another excuse to go and read Trenton's review in its full splendor. Uh, a bit of trivia, which I will only hint at, namely that I actually took a screenshot of this whilst watching it, that one of the voice actors from this serial was Kismet Delgado. Okay, uh, people who are not Trenton, high five Trenton online. He is at Trenton Bless with two what's, Jim? <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much, Trenton. Next up, we have Paul Forbar. Hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. As we're Trentons, we're doing a little bit of snipperoonie on this, yeah. this review, and we're skipping right to the end. The Doctor's journey enabled Let's to relate a Buddhist parable in which the Doctor returned the crystal to Metabolus 3 while facing his fears of the spider's mental powers Ooh. that could control him. As expected, he was destroyed before g- regenerating into Tom Baker with help from his boyhood guru, another blast from the Pertwee era's past. The Doctor had told Joe Grant about their first meeting. Ooh, we, we didn't didn't touch upon that. No, we, we didn't. didn't. And I didn't slash don't remember. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> we got forward continuity too. When the Brigadier spoke to Medical Officer Sullivan, his oh. first name, Harry, would be revealed with him in the next story. Mm, looking forward to it. 
This also reminds me of something, pin, of something that I wanted to ask you. Paul Forber concludes, This story is heavily padded, and the last cliffhanger is resolved with details omitted from the previous episode, an unfortunate cheat. Still, it has a pace, action, and depth, as well as elements of past and future Doctor Who continuity fans will certainly enjoy. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you very much, Paul. And people who are not Paul, please... A, go to whobackone.com, read this uh, review in its full splendor, and B, high-five Paul online. He's at Wordsmith Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. To that pin, I wanted to ask you, because you were also on the New Who review of The God Complex, there's the room, the Doctor opens the room, and it's his greatest fear. Mm. And in this episode, we have him, like, uh, they even say something like, oh, your greatest fear is losing control and having someone control you. Like when the spider does that really naff thing of like, round in a circle, round in a circle, you know, any link, any kind of correlation there, do you think? I don't know if they put a weighting on saying it was his greatest fear. Oh, maybe not. There was a big thing about him facing his fear. His fear. Yeah. Maybe there is a little bit of wriggle room. Oh, maybe there's a... That doesn't have to be the big bad. Oh, that's true. I don't know. It's just a big spider. I did mean to talk about what um, Paul touched upon, though, that I think it's episode five Uh shows two scenes which are then recapped at the start of episode six with another scene inserted in between. Which is that? Sarah Jane with the spider? Something like that. So the bit where the wads are trying to attack Tom, uh-huh. there is a scene before that that we get in episode six. We don't have an episode five, even though we've seen that scene in episode five, which is what Paul is Paul, alluding Paul to. Paul is alluding to, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, well, I will catch that on my next rewatch. Yeah. All right. Okay, next up, we have another Paul. It's Paul Waring. Hello, another Paul. Or Paul Waring. Uh, apologies for potentially mispronouncing that. Uh, Paul goes... Planet of the Spiders was the first story where I saw the Doctor regenerate. Growing up with 1990s repeats, I thought they'd just change the actor every now and again for no plot reason. A bit like James Bond. Once again, we see the total lack of security at Unit HQ. (laughs) Yes, we do. As they show a light entertainer around the laboratory (laughs) and then allow Lupin to walk in off the street. That's so true. Giant spiders which leap onto your back and take control of you creeped me out when I was younger. Although now I just cringe slightly at the terrible CSO. Hmm. A chase over land, sea and air is wholly appropriate for Pertwee's swan song too. Agrees. Sadly, Paul continues, this brings an end to the Sarah slash third Doctor pairing. I wish they had got another season together as this one was pretty solid all the way through, peaking with the monster of Peladon, of course. The last scenes with the Brigadier, I've only just worked out why you call him bagels, certain that the Doctor will return, followed by Here We Go Again, round off the Pertwee era perfectly. It's goodbye to another two members of the traditional unit family, but hello to Tom Baker, and probably the best season ever in Classic Who! Oh my goodness, I'm so excited! Whoa, I hope this lives up to the hype. (laughs) (laughs) Overall, Paul concludes, this is probably the second best regeneration story in Classic Who, after The Caves of Androzani. Androzani. Androzani, I do Mm -hmm. (laughs) apologise. That's right. (laughs) And a solid story in its own right. And he gives this... (gasps) 3.5 out of 5. Ka-ching! Excellent. Excellent! Thank you so much, Paul. Awesome stuff. Thank you, Paul. (laughs) Also, I can't take credit for bagels. That was Podcastland that invented that. I don't actually know what it means. Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge Stewart. Bagels. Oh. (laughs) Very good. Ryder Rooney and Cheesecakes. Next up, we have Jim the Fish. (laughs) Jim. (laughs) Jim starts... 
At the start of the show, they get a fake magician with psychic powers to come in and get his brain melted by the crystal because the doctor was too caught up in his own bullshit to realize the guy was dying. That warrants it a worthy substitute to the Delgado finale we never got, right? Perhaps. Right. The fact that in a chase sequence midway through the story when the doctor chases Lupton, Bessie, a mini chopper, boat, and the Hoomobile, a hovercraft, all feature. I love it. Even if it has little. The idea of the doctor being pointless in this story is the point. Some people have problems with this. His fear that he has to face isn't of the great one. It's of his own thirst for knowledge, becoming a detriment to those around him and of becoming a danger to the people he gets involved with. The Doctor created the situation by taking the crystal in the first place. He has to fix it by giving it back, even if it sadly means his own death. Aha! Sherlocked. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Jim continues, One thing I praise about the Third Doctor era is subtlety. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) The destruction of the Silurians, Joe's farewell, Third Doctor's regeneration, all very subdued and quiet moments. Mm, Yeah, true. Like when the Doctor says the TARDIS brought him home. At the beginning of his incarnation, he hated the fact that he was stuck on Earth. Then, over time, he began to like it and see it as home. Mm. I hadn't thought about that. Interesting. Oh, God, I love the serial so much. You've taken a level out of this, Jim, that I don't think we've got. Yeah. (laughs) Your mind is more expanded. (laughs) And Jim concludes, I'm sad I started reviewing three so late, as he's my favourite. Can't wait for Tom Baker. And Jim's rating is... 3.3 out of 5. Nice! Fantastic! Thank you so much, Jim the Fish. Thank you, Jim. This is seriously enlightening stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, so far, everyone's kind of in the same ballpark. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Let's have a look at the next one, shall we? Okay, let's have a little peek. All right. This one comes from Michael Ridgway. Ridgway. Hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. Michael has sent us a mini collection of reactions. Episode 1, Colorblind Casting Award, Cho J. If he is Tibetan, I am Slitheen. <laughs> Diversity Award, Awesome Tom, the first character with learning difficulties in Doctor Who. Unnecessary Death Award, Professor Clegg, a mean-spirited death for a nice guy. Public inquiry, please. <laughs> On to Episode 2, aka The Long Chase. <laughs> Reassuring to see Una HQ's security is as robust as ever. <laughs> Dodgy stunt double alert. What is William Hartnell's stuntman doing on the hovercraft? Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, I didn't notice that. Into episode three. Adolescence flashback. I had this on VHS, and I recall finding the voices of the spiders strangely alluring. Mm. All right. Well, whatever you get up to in your own time. (laughs) All right. Episode four. These doctor groaning on a deathbed and Sarah whinging in a cocoon episodes are so interesting. More, please. Is there sarcasm? I don't know. (laughs) Episode five. Sarah. Tommy, you're normal. Just like everybody else. Yeah, that's right. What the fuck is this appalling dialogue? Retract for diversity award. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I I was thinking the exact same thing. And then Tommy comes back with, I hope not. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Which is a fantastic comeback, by the way. Episode 6, Missed Opportunity. Unit fighting a giant spider, B-movie style. Indeed. Oh, that would have been fantastic. And to summarise, mostly watchable, but by far the weakest tale of the season. It lacked the intentional humour of Time Warrior, the unintentional humour of Dinosaurs and Palladian, and the genius of the grotesquely underrated (laughs) Death to the Daleks. Rating 1.3 out of 5 chanting spider corp blokes in tweed and turtlenecks. 
<clears throat> yeah, so thanks for that review, Michael. <laughs> Thank you very much. Ladies and gents who are not Michael, you can follow Michael on Twitter. He is at bad underscore movie underscore club. Okie dokie. And last but not least, we have Peter Zunich. Zunich. Hello, Peter. Hi, Peter. Peter starts off, when I was young, evil giant talking spiders was quite frightening. The concept hasn't entirely lost that over the years, though the execution may slightly diminish it as an adult. The spiders, while great, are of their time. One almost wishes for a special edition featuring CG and animatronics that could reinforce our inherent fear for creatures so different from ourselves. Wholly disagree. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, they're fantastic. <laughs> CG's boring. And also, D- Day of the Daleks got a CG makeover, and I much prefer it without. Yeah, interesting. Yep. But I respect your opinion, Peter. <laughs> of course. There is nothing but respect here. <laughs> Peter carries on. Concluding a plot begun almost two seasons ago. Really? Hmm. This is, lies. this is a tremendously solid story with a multitude of scene-stealing performances. At the heart of it all is John Pertwee, whose doctor has now become quite serious. He is the star of the show for a reason, and we are treated to a fitting send-off for a spectacular doctor. Mike Yates makes a side return and gets a chance to be front and centre. Tommy has performed exceptionally well, and the costumes, sets, directing and music are all spot on. Only the overly convenient arrival of a wedding present nudges the irk meter. (laughs) One wonders if the writer was a fan of the Lord of the Rings. The Great One could easily have been Ungoliant, and the Crystal a Silmar or the one ring itself. Alternatively, is the great crystal related to the one we'll see later in Peter Davison's Snake Dance? Indeed, it has very similar properties. I'll have to write some fan fiction about that. Yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> After all, that's what this story does best. It sparks the imagination. Until then, I'll um money padme hum my way to a 4.4! Holy Pabayum! <laughs> oh, fantastic! Awesome, 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 awesome stuff! Thank you so much, Peter! Thank you, Peter. Right, okie dokie. So, thank you everyone who sent something in for this one. Much appreciated. Ladies and gents, go to backwind.com, read these in their full splendor. What's next? We have the very first Tom Baker serial. Wow. It is called... Robot. Robot. Yeah, and it features a gigantic robot. I'm so excited. (laughs) Slash aroused. Next on the new Barometer channel, we have... The Wedding of River Song. We will also, I think, need to drop a bonus episode, a third Doctor retrospective. We've done a retrospective for every Doctor so far that we have gone through entirely. Go to whobackwhen.com. By the time this episode drops, there will be a scheduling feature of sorts on the website, and you can check out all of the upcoming episodes there. Thank you so much for listening. Ladies and gents, you can follow Jim on Twitter. He is... Jimmy the Who. That's right. You can follow me as well. I'm at Ponkin. You know how to spell that? Probably? Possibly? Who knows? Until the next time, rock on and... Cha-chao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hooray! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own. Browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, 
boosters and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who like when?